I'm working actually in a supportive care department, so like palliative care. Um, and we you know we see patients every different type of cancer. I work on a medonc floor, so medonc and surgical oncology. So we see solid tumors. So you know we see everything. I've rotated through you know quite a few specialties, which I which I really enjoy doing because like I said I'll see every you know every type of cancer patient um, in my particular department. Welcome to MDF Instruments Crafting Wellness Podcast. I'm so excited today to introduce you to Emily. She is a travel nurse in oncology. My name is Emily. Um, I go by um, That's Spitfire Nurse M on Instagram. I am an oncology nurse. I do outpatient clinic nursing, um, and I've been an oncology nurse for about four years now. A pretty serious uh, nursing specialty. Can you tell us a little bit about what drew you into oncology nursing specifically and why you chose nursing and why you're a nurse and just how you kind of just came to this career path? Yeah, of course. So I kind of took the long way around um, to get to nursing. Um, I did nursing as a second career. So originally I went to, um, I did undergrad and I probably was going to go to med school. So did all the classes for med school. Um, And then I worked in emergency room and I did not like the way doctors treated patients. So I ended up talking to my dad who asked me like, do you really wanna go to med school? Like, can you give me a good reason? And I couldn't. And he always kind of um, pushed me towards the nursing route. Um, so I decided that, you know, after working in the nursing room, I was like, I will, I wanna be a nurse. And honestly, I feel like this, the heavens like opened up. Like it was a great decision for me. Um, and I did Duke's ABSN program in North Carolina. And <laughs> Also, ironically enough, I was like, I can't do oncology. Oncology is too hard. You know, I don't have the heart for it. So um, my program was about four semesters. In the first semester, I was like, I don't want to do oncology. I, like, I want to do nursing administration. Like, that's where I see myself. Um, and then as, as I went through my program, you know, I realized I really like talking to patients and, you know, learning their stories. And I was like, you know what? Let me challenge myself and pick oncology. Um, for my capstone, I kind of had to a choice between oncology nursing, that was my top choice. And then my second choice was like the cardiothoracic ICU. So very different spectrum. Um, but honestly, I, I got oncology and I loved it. Um, I think, you know, it does take a special person to be an oncology nurse. I think it's, you know, it's more of a calling um, than I feel like other specialties, maybe pediatrics, but it, I don't know, like, I fell in love with it when I when I started there as a student um, on my floor. I really like, um, I don't, I'd always had an interest in palliative care as well. Um, and oncology and palliative care go hand in hand. So I really liked, you know, being able to, you know, see patients at end of life. Um, Cause that's kind of where my heart lies. Um, I want to do, I really like palliative care, hospice, end of life. Um, and it's, it's funny. Like I, I can't see myself doing anything else. Like I absolutely love what I do, you know, for all the reasons that people say oncology nursing is hard are the reasons I absolutely love it. Um, you know, it's very, my preceptor when I started told me, she was like, you know, death for these patients is a total release of suffering. You know, cancer is one of those diseases that causes, um, unimaginable suffering. Um, and for them, you know, passing a peaceful passing is a blessing. So, ever since, you know, she told me that it kind of changed my perspective. Um, and, you know, now, like I've seen myself going into palliative care as an oncology, like nurse practitioner, um, and, you know, helping patients decide, you know, um, helping them pass peacefully, you know, and pass where they want to pass. Um, so 
kind of a long-winded answer, but yeah, like oncology nursing is definitely, it's a special type of nursing, but it's so, I think it's so underappreciated. Um, and it, it, it's amazing. Yeah, I can't, I imagine that it's not um, the easiest of, of specialties just because I know that you probably have harder days than, um, you know, like a, a different kind of specialty in nursing um, where it feels like they could probably go through a sh several shifts and not have, you know, a death. Um, I, I imagine for you, it's a more common thing in your life. It, would, would you say that's true? You know, I think so. And I think it's, it's different now that I've shifted into the outpatient setting, um, you know, and the inpatient um, oncology, at least in like a medical oncology, you know, you see a lot of symptom management, you see patients at their worst, you know, they're only admitted if they, you know, if we can't, if they can't manage their symptoms outpatient. Um, so being outpatient has been very, you know, very different, you know, we still we see patients from time of diagnosis, all the way to either, you know, survivorship, or um, unfortunately, like hospice. Um, but outpatient has been awesome because there's a lot more, you know, um, you see a lot more positive stories, you know, people like, you know, being able to ring the bell when their cancer treatment's over, you know, and like graduating and going from, you know, being a cancer fighter to a cancer survivor. Um, and, and that's, you know, that helps balance out because you see a lot more of those cases outpatient than you do, um, the opposite. So it's been, it's been a nice balance. That's awesome. So for everybody who doesn't know who's listening or like me, can you explain the difference between outpatient and inpatient and how that changes depending on, does that change where you work then? Or are you still like, are there outpatient in the hospital still? Is that how it works? Yeah. So inpatient is like traditional bedside nursing. Um, so usually like 12 hour shifts, you know, what you typically think of as like, you know, being a bedside nurse. Um, outpatient, you, know, you have a lot of different options. I work in the clinic. So I see patients one-on-one -on -one with the provider, you know, we see patients in clinic, um, you know, I handle phone calls, all that jazz. And then there's also outpatient infusion, which is kind of like, a, you know, an intermediate between um, bedside nursing and outpatient, you know, clinic nursing, because you're still doing a bunch of skills, you know, you're, you're um, administering chemotherapy, a bunch of, you know, like electrolytes, blood, um, blood products and whatnot. Um, but you're not, you know, you're working different hours, you're working outpatient hours. So four ten, I'm at four tens, five eights, um, the lifestyle, I think, you know, if you're kind of moving towards like, um, I don't know, like retirement or whatever, and you're like a lot, you see a lot of older nurses in the outpatient setting because it's, you know, it's a better lifestyle. Um, you know, you, yeah, if you're working, you don't work nights, you don't work weekends, you know, you don't work holidays. So it's a very different lifestyle. It's a very different type of nursing, you know, but for me, I like it because I like talking to patients. That's why I pick nursing. Very good, like people nurse. When we're in the hospital or we need it, we need care, you know, we're scared and feel alone and afraid and all of those things. So having someone calm us down or relate to us or make us feel like it's going to be okay. I mean, I think that's the most important thing. And that's why I love nurses. That's why I have like such an affinity for you guys. Um, because I think it does take a really special person kind of person to get into nursing. I think you guys are really empathetic you have big hearts you want to be there for people um during their most vulnerable times and i think it just it takes a really special really special soul it's really not an easy thing uh er setting you could have a nurse that's like okay they're having to work weekends or they're having to work holidays and that kind of thing and maybe in an outpatient situation you're not doing that but you're dealing with you have other issues and stresses that you're dealing with that kind of go compensate for the maybe the schedule that's a little more normal stress level i imagine and just 
the things that you have to go through and see and witness and help with as that kind of nurse, like I'm sure can be daunting. So I wonder for you, but we're always talking about mental health because like I said, you know, you guys are, it takes a certain kind of person to get into healthcare. So naturally pathetic, generous, all of that. It's an easier position for people to take advantage of you sure. because you're in a position of, of service. And in that kind of way, you know, people get their on medication, they can, they're not themselves all the time. And I know that especially healthcare can take some, some abuse, both by patients and also by staff. So I just kind of wonder um, how you manage just the stress of your of your career and able to like stay so positive um, and keep going through all those hard days. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so for me, um, I am very good at compartmentalizing. So, you know, when I, when I go to work, I'm there. You know, I'm very present. Like I always say that the moment I swipe in is the moment I'm hundred percent, like or 110% present for my patients. You know, I will give, you know, give myself freely, but the moment I swipe out, it's me time. Um, you know, I a hundred percent leave work at work. Um, and I'm fortunate to be in a, in a career. I can do that. Um, even if I have, you know, like tougher patients, which, um, you know, or sadder cases that I dwell on, you know, I give myself some time to reflect um, and usually it's on the car ride home. And then when I get home, when I walk through my door, I don't think about it. Um, and I've done that pretty much for the past four years. Um, and it's really helped because, you know, we do see, you know, a lot, you know, we, um, you are participating in, in other people's lives, um, you know, and you see them, especially with oncology, you know, you see the worst, you know, people at the worst, you know, cancer is one of those diagnoses that, you know, is life-changing. Um, and I've seen even like the, you know, the most stoic, like strong of men, they'll crumble down, you know? Mm -hmm. So I definitely, um, leaving work at work is very important to me. And then, you know, the time I'm home, um, you know, my, my best friend, my roommate is also a nurse, you know, we, um, we're able to converse, you know, and kind of share stories if we want to, but if, you know, if not, we usually just hang, you know, we'll hang out, we'll walk the dogs. Um, we don't do anything healthcare related. Um, and also like, you know, we do deal with quite a bit at, you know, at, at, at the job, you know, with abuse and whatnot. But for me, unless a patient physically lays hands, that's different, but you know, if they're frustrated, I get it. You know, at the end of the day, I get to walk, you know, I get to go home. I don't have cancer, you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate. And so I can empathize with these patients. I'm like, you know what? And most of the time, you know, they'll apologize. Like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, it's okay. Like, you know, I get it. Like it's, it's, it's a terrifying diagnosis and that fear of the unknown can change, you know, can change people um, and can make them act out in ways that's not, you know, that's not normal for them. Um, and typically, you know, you give them time to vent, you give them time to, you know, give them their space and they'll, you know, they'll come back um, and they'll apologize. But for me, yeah, being empathetic, putting, you know, putting myself in their shoes is, is really helpful. Um, and I don't know, like ever since COVID, like I've been, I like started doing these TikToks um, just to like distract people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was, <clears throat> again, a lot of fear of unknown among staff. Um, and I think that kind of just like evolved. And now like, you know, I, I do a lot of posts about like, you know, just being upbeat and, you know, enjoying yourself. You know, nursing is one of those careers that it's, it's so difficult. Um, so you have to, you know, you have to make time for yourself and you have to enjoy, you know, make fun of yourself you know what I'm saying and I I'm a terrible dancer you know I that's <laughs> doing those TikTok videos I was like I'm terrible but if I can make someone laugh 
um, you know, that's the best thing for me. So even if my, even at my own expense, that's totally fine. Um, <laughs> Spoken yeah. like a true nurse. No, yep. <laughs> it's funny though, because honestly, I find the trend really is they always have a creative outlet, whether it's, you know, social media and finding TikToks or blogging or writing or dancing or singing or acting or whatever it is. Um, there's always a creative outlet because, I do really think that there is something to that where it's like you have this creativity in you as well um, that needs to come out. And it's such a great, healthy way to express it about where you're saying, you know, sometimes I need the car ride home to process the day. Um, and I think that's really smart. And you're like, but once I get home and I walk in that door, like I leave work where work, where work is and I'll pick it back up the next time I'm there. And I think that's a really brilliant way because what a great way to kind of decompress and gratitude is something, uh, another thing you're touching on, which I think is so important to just remember how good we have it. I think it's a really great way to kind of bring yourself back. I still feel like um, I can relate because my dad right now, he's, he's fighting cancer and he's actually in the hospital and um, he's, Sorry. yeah, it's really rough, but like the last two days he's been hallucinating and he's doing crazy things that like my dad would never do. And I guess like last night in the middle of the night, he thought he was in war. And so he thought he had been shot. And so he's like hallucinating and like yelling at, I'm like, wow, my dad is like the most docile um, person like he would never um, be irate to people or like it's not like him at all but like you were saying you know when you have cancer and you're fighting for your life and you have all these medications you're on and things interact with other things that people are taking they're not themselves but at the same time I still really feel like nurses and healthcare workers in general you guys do get a lot of um of that energy that's hard it's not it's not personal though and it sounds like that you know that at the end of the day it's not personal and it's not actually them attacking you um verbally or whatever it is it's just they're sick and and they cannot act like themselves but I just think it's important to kind of touch base on the fact that one way I can understand why it's happening but at the same time um it's just not okay a lot of nurses getting you know, sometimes accidentally hit maybe, or maybe on purpose, or, you know, just all kinds of crazy things happen to you guys. It's a real thing that nurses go through that is just not, you know, not good. Yeah. I mean, it's tough, right? Cause it's, you know, a lot of times these patients are confused, you know, and being in a hospital, um, you know, does not do anything for their confusion. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've been choked, I've been punched, um, you know, you know, it's a potential of the job. I don't think it's part of the job, right? But um, I think I take more issue with like the verbal abuse because, um, you know, unless a patient is like blatantly confused, you know, I've had family members cuss at me, you know, like mm -hmm. denigrate me and there's no reason for that. You know, I always say like, if I were on the street, right? If we were not in the hospital, I wasn't wearing my scrubs. Would you talk to me the same way that you're talking to me right now? Mm -hmm. Right? I feel like, you know, there's a, there's a fine line between, you know, advocating for your family member if you're, you know, if you're there advocating for yourself versus just being outwardly rude. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we're, I always say, like, I work for the hospital, I don't work for you, mm -hmm. right? I'm here to help you. I'm not here to serve you. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of, you know, these, these hospitals now are so focused on customer or patient satisfaction scores, you know, that they're, they're, they're less concerned about their staff. 
um, you know, staff satisfaction, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, it's part of like Medicare, Medicaid, you know, it's all, it's all about money, you know, ultimately at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a shame, you know, it's like, there have been so many bills, you know, put forward, you know, to protect healthcare workers, um, you know, healthcare workers have died, you know, we've been seriously injured, have mm-hmm. died um, on the job. Mm-hmm. especially my you know my colleagues in the ER you know they they really get the brunt of it um both physically and verbally and you know it, it's, it's unacceptable with mental health issues being on the rise you know people some people can't you know they can't they can't help it right their um mental illness is is a killer mm-hmm. um especially untreated mental illness you know we as much as we want to help these patients you know we weren't you know we can't um, you know, we can't monitor them all the time. Um, you know, we can't force them to go to rehab. We can't do anything. You know, we can, you know, we can lead a horse to water, but we can't make them drink. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, you know, there's, this is a very, um, it's a multifactorial issue, um, that I think, you know, where a lot of healthcare workers are speaking up, up, you know, about, and I think, um, you know, people have to take a notice. So because people won't tolerate it anymore. You know, I think COVID really was like the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, some healthcare workers were literally, you know, putting their lives on the line for their patients and hospital administration, like, you know, didn't do anything to reward them, you know, or to like, you know, to, we, we were called healthcare heroes, but, you know, we were treated like zeros, you know? So there's a fine line. Like, you know, I, obviously I want the best for my patients and I, you know, I want, you know, I want them to be safe and I want them to, you know, to get better. But I also am, you know, I, I, I'm not willing to tolerate the abuse that comes with it. And I'm not sure if there is a good answer, you know. Um, but I'm just glad there's a lot of talk about it right now. You know, it's, it's a hot button issue, so. Yeah, I think like it's important to talk about because if we don't talk about it, we can't change it, we can't fix it, we can't help it. Um, but I just think people need to understand and know that it's happening because I think what happens is there's there's maybe some protection there of maybe the patient um, more than the staff uh, excuse making excuses justifying it you know all these things it's like oh it's okay just move on I don't want to talk about it let's just get to the next thing but the problem with that is that when we don't talk about it then we can't people don't realize how common it is and and and, then you think you're the only one you know just happened to me this week but it's it's fine let's move on but really it's it's a lot more common than I think people even realize because once they start talking to each other it's like oh wow yeah that happened to me yesterday too and this kind of behavior because there needs to be protections put in place or um, some kind of way to help advocate and protect the healthcare worker you're there to help but you're not there to take abuse and be treated mistreated and it's like there is a fine line between understanding like okay someone's mentally ill or they're not themselves right now they're on heavy medication you know there are these conditions that make you understand logically what's going on but at the same time would they be talking to the doctor like that it's a respect issue and I think if the the hospital or place is not requiring people to be respectful then you're just kind of leaving it up to them to have to decide when they're going to be respectful or not so it's just good to talk about because it's not okay and it's not fair um can you walk us through a little bit I know you did a little social media post on it but can you walk us through a typical day for you and 
are you working Monday through Friday, some more stable hours? Can you tell us a little bit about what, what an oncology nurse day like is for you in the outpatient? Sure. Um, so my hours are eight to four 30. I work five eights. Um, I've also worked four tens, which I prefer. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so pretty much my job entails. So I, if I'm seeing patients, so we'll have clinic days and then we'll also have like admin days. Um, during a clinic day, which are the, you know, the majority of the days, um, we will see patients from um, eight to like three. Um, and then, you know, so it's usually the team is the nurse, the provider, um, like a doctor, and then we have a, a mid-level. So either a PA or an NP. Um, and you, so at my current facility, we see all the patients first. So the nurse goes in, um, you know, talks to the patient. We do, you know, we have a questionnaire. We just make sure they're doing okay. Ask them usually how they're tolerating their chemotherapy or their radiation. Um, if there's any concerning issues and then we bring it, we go back, talk to the, talk to the doctors. Um, and then they go in to see the patient. Um, and that kind of goes, you know, throughout the day, um, and we do that just so, you know, the doctor can, um, you know, focus on really what matters, you know, what the patient, you know, um, how they're doing versus having, you know, them having to ask all the different questions. And then when we're not seeing patients, you know, we, we get a lot of phone calls and a lot of symptom calls, you know, there's a lot of symptoms with chemotherapy um, and radiation. And we encourage our patients to call because, you know, sometimes these symptoms can be, you know, either a sign of like a potential allergic reaction or, you know, something that, you know, if, if it's so intolerable, you know, intolerable, it, it means that we may have to change the dosage. Um, so answer phone calls, um, answer messages. And then, you know, if I have downtime, like this, this clinic is awesome. All the nurses and the providers are in this one, like a one big floor. So it's cool. I can chat with the other teams, um, you know, and, you know, just hang out. Um, so there is not a lot of downtime, but there is, you know, just, just enough to, to get to know it, everyone who's working there. So it's good. So I have a question about oncology nursing for you specifically, I'm just trying to understand it. Do you treat them like all different kinds of cancers or are there are certain cancers that are coming to this outpatient facility where you're doing this? Um, but I'm working actually in a supportive care department. Um, so like palliative care. Um, and we you know we see patients of you know every different type of cancer um but the clinic you know i work on a medonc floor so medonc and surgical oncology so we see solid tumors um there's a there's another floor that deals with radiation oncology patients and then another floor that deals with blood-based cancers so you know we see everything i've rotated through you know quite a few specialties which i which i really enjoy doing because like i said i'll see every you know every type of cancer patient um, in my particular department these doctors you know the providers that we're working with are top of the game you know this is the number one cancer hospital in the world so you know these doctors are awesome um and they're it's a great you know they're they're always willing to teach um and the nurses there you know also top notch um so it's cool it's a great learning environment you know i'm kind of nerdy like that i like to know like you know everything about these cancers so um it's fun to ask and you know they're obviously very passionate about it too so they'll talk you know they'll talk your ear off and i love that (laughs) Yeah, I imagine with your specialty, you're also getting to know um, your patients pretty well, right? Because I think typically, like if you're in ER nursing or something like that, like if a patient comes, they might stay in the hospital for like a week or something, and then they're gone. Um, But with what you're dealing with, I imagine it's more several week process through radiation. 
generally the process is we see them as a new patient, you know, they establish care with us. Um, and then, you know, we, so we deal with the chemotherapy, um, like I said, radiation is another, you know, is a whole nother area of oncology nursing, which is exceptionally fascinating. Um, but I actually just am starting to learn about, um, <laughs> but so yeah, we see them, you know, every, depending on what their cycle of chemotherapy, you know, how often they're getting it, we'll see them, you know, every two, three weeks, um, maybe even every month just to check in, make sure they're doing okay. Um, and then, you know, when they finish treatment, you know, depending on, you know, we'll order scans or make sure they're doing okay. Um, and then as, you know, as if, if they're, if their cancer is responding and doing well, then, you know, we kind of increase that interval at which we see them. But for the first, like for the, from time of diagnosis, we see them pretty much like two or three times a month, a month. Got it. Yeah. Wow. And says it's gotta be rewarding too, to just see like the start of the journey of like, okay, I have cancer and how are we going to navigate this to the end of like the ringing the bell to like okay I'm a cancer survivor now and like hopefully I won't go into remission and just like seeing the whole process of the start to the finish has got to be really rewarding and it's very you know it's super emotional obviously like you know I've worked in both like you know I've worked in a breast oncology clinic and you know these most of the time these cancers are caught pretty early um you know so but it's an emotional time you know like no one wants to be told they have cancer you know no one wants to be told they have stage four cancer you know um so it is emotional and it's also emotional like towards the end you know it's either you know as as they graduate or you know them being told i'm sorry like we've reached the end you know the limit of the treatment options that we have mm -hmm. so it it is a very emotional journey um and, you know like i said you know even the, you know, the most stoic, stubborn of patients, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll break down eventually. Mm -hmm. So it, it's interesting to see, you know, how they, you know, their journeys and their course and you know, in clinic, we see patients, you know, throughout their cancer journey. Um, so, you know, you get to know them pretty well, you know, you get to know like, oh, they come in, you're like, mm, they don't look so good. Like they're not acting themselves or wow, you know, you look great. Like, you know, and you, know, you see it, the patients that lost their hair through their treatment come back and then they, you know, their, their hair is growing back. You're like, wow. Like, you know, it's like, you look like a different person. So it's, it's cool. If you could go back and tell your younger self some piece of advice, what would it be? Do you have anything like inspiring that you could, that, or something you wish you knew you had known um, that, you know, now anything like that? I think, you know, on as corny as it is like, you know, um, to, not be afraid to kind of break out of your shell. You know, I used to be this very introverted, very shy individual. And now, you know, I'm a completely different person. And I think, you know, nursing was kind of something that I kind of, I'm a, if I'm going to do this, ended up loving it. You know, oncology, I was like, I don't know if I have the heart for doing this. Love, you know, I love it. And then, you know, being able to travel nurse, you know, kind of helped me really break out of my shell, like socially. I'm very, like, I'm super extroverted now, but I used to be like, really not. So definitely just like, continue like you know don't don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone because honestly it's it's done nothing but wonders for me are you still travel nursing now or are you more settled in texas yeah so i did travel nursing for a year um it's actually where i found outpatient nursing i did six months in new york city and then six months um at a small clinic in winston-salem north carolina um and i really enjoyed it i just got fed up with agencies um you know it's they're very shady um and i did not like that um you know so i was like i knew 
as an oncology nurse, MD Anderson is number one. And I was like, I would love to work here. Um, so I applied for this for a staff job. And honestly, it's, I'm so happy. Like, I'm so happy. I love Houston. I love being here. I love MD Anderson. Um, and yeah, it's weird going back from like, you know, being a staff nurse, but I think being a travel nurse and having, you know, being exposed to so many different things and, you know, being put in like any scenario and having to adapt quickly has really helped me here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they can put me pretty much anywhere. And I'm like, what do you need me to do? So that's, that's how, you know, I'm very grateful for my travel experience. Great. It's great advice. It's almost like studying abroad kind of when you're in college, I feel like everybody should maybe go travel nurse for just a year, just to see yeah. what it's like, go somewhere new, step into different roles, but you really have to be on your feet. Um, mm-hmm. but it's funny that you're talking about the whole, um, agency thing, because I just did a podcast with a travel nurse about that. And it's pretty crazy to think about, what the hospitals are billing and then the agency is taking money but not telling you how much they take like and just just the fight for that like it is it's it sounds very shady and like another thing that we need to change as far as moving forward with transparency and um, fees and things like that totally yeah so what do you do for fun have you found some interesting things in houston to do yet have you been able to kind of like translate that into this in this new place that you're living i know you said you have dog so what do you like to do for fun oh i one of the reasons i went to travel nursing is because i like to go out to eat um explore new restaurants um and bars and you know houston is a great foodie city um so many restaurants so many bars um so i've been enjoying going out you know and the weekends with you know with my roommate and meeting new people um obviously take, like walking the dog um the dogs love it here too so it's yeah just trying new restaurants every weekend <laughs> that's what i've been doing i'm such a foodie too i absolutely love food i love like i'm on yelp i'm on google i'm trying to figure out okay like what's really good to eat i'm all about trying new things but like finding the homemade version or this like yummy new drinks or spots so i i totally feel you on that and there's a lot of great food a lot of good mexican food too i feel like oh definitely (laughs) who inspires you um in your life who who if you kind of like look up to and kind of want to emulate oh there are two people um they're both very very close to me um my mom um and actually my best friend um and oddly enough, their personalities are pretty much the same. Um, I think that's why I'm so close to my best friend. Um, but for my mom, my mom is the most patient person that I know. Um, you know, she kind of taught me to be, um, you know, to be very respectful. Um, same thing with my dad, but she's also, you know, um, taught me a lot about empathy, um, which obviously, you know, that's the most important part of my job. It's really why I'm good at my job. So I'm definitely grateful for her. Um, She's also, you know, super selfless and caring. Um, And then my best friend, Emily, who, you know, she's been, you know, she's in my Instagram as well, but she is probably the best nurse that I know. Um, She's a pediatric oncology nurse, but she is, if you like an angel on earth, just a very selfless, sweet, um, just like kind-hearted person. I actually hated her when I first met her because she was so nice that I thought she was like so fake. But come to realize though, she's, she is a very sweet person. You know, she really, she's, she's very bubbly and outgoing. I think she kind of helped, you know, bring that out in me. Um, she's the other half of my, my tattoo, you know, we're, we're, we're yin and yang, you know, 
um, opposites, but very much, you know, complement each other perfectly. And she, you know, she inspires me to be a better nurse every day. You know, her patients love her. She's a pediatric oncology nurse. Like, <laughs> you know, I've always had respect for pediatric nurses anyway, but pediatric oncology takes a very special person and she loves her job. Um, she's very, very, very good at it. Um, you know, she kind of put herself out there and she's been excelling and, you know, it, it's great to see her every day, you know, do what she does and um, do what she loves and enjoy it. So. I love that so much. So how did you guys meet? Did you meet in school or tell a story of how you guys met each other? So we actually met, um, on our, like we, on our first, um, on our first job. So, you know, we had both graduated from nursing school, um, and started on the same floor together. Um, and I started about a month earlier than she did. Um, but then, you know, we kind of grew, um, we did a lot of orientation together and then, you know, we, we became really close friends, started hanging out and then now like pretty much inseparable. Um, I call her like my life wife, you know, <laughs> she's here in Houston with me, obviously. Um, you know, I lived, I've been living with her for the past year and a half or so. Um, but yeah, no, it was like, it, we hit it off and like, yeah, literally like stuck together since. <laughs> I love that so much. And it's, it's really important to have, I think in anything that you do in life, just to have a friend, someone that you can trust and turn to and confide in. And the fact that you are both in nursing and you're both in oncology with the difference being adults versus pediatric is just got to be such a nice, like common baseline to that you can understand each other, understand the kind of days you're having, be there for each other. And then also know when like to be quiet, you know, also know when like, okay, I don't want to go there today, but I think it's, it's so special to have that support. And I'm so glad that you have that. Um, you know, we should, we should get her on the podcast too. I think we should do like a double podcast and have the two besties on yin and yang and totally. talk, <laughs> yeah, talk about oncology nursing and, um, she sounds amazing so I mean love, love I actually her. gifted her a pediatric NDS stethoscope so awesome. got her job. <laughs> good yeah we're gonna have to get her involved now because I just think like what you guys do is so important and so special and um, appreciate you guys both so much for what you're doing out there in the world just making it a better place and bringing health to people and hope and patience and kindness and love and all the things that our world needs more of so Thank you so much for doing what you do. I, I love it. And I wouldn't do anything else. Um, I know you're on Instagram. I imagine TikTok with the dance moves. We were talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and drop your social handle for anybody who wants to come take a, take a watch of the, get, take a dance lesson from you or um, she has all this stuff on like what the day in life is like. She's constantly giving um, knowledge, advice, everything on her social media. So so yeah, my Instagram is that Spitfire Nurse M, um, which is definitely a accurate description of me. Um, and then my TikTok handle is mjamie, E-M-J-A-Y-M-I-E. Perfect. Yeah, I was going to ask, why do you call yourself a Spitfire Nurse, that Spitfire Nurse? How did that little nickname come to be? So I used to be like very soft-spoken and not kind of like, you know, I would never stick up for myself and then became a nurse. Um, and I've been told, I mean, I've gotten in trouble for yelling at people, <laughs> um, particularly residents, you know, uh, um, just, you know, for all in like, you know, to defend my patient. You know, I, I never speak up unless A, I know I'm right. Mm -hmm. And B, you know, it's, it's to defend, you know, to, to protect my patient. And, you know, 
the times I have spoken up, yes, like, could I have done it a little better nuanced way? Yes. But at the end of the day, you know, like I, I did what was right by my patient. So I don't regret it. See, there's the empathy in it again, though, because it comes from like, you're sticking up for other people. You know what I'm saying? Like you even said like, oh, when it comes to my patients, like protective, like I'm coming in there and I'm going to say something. And it's like, but we need to also learn how to, because I'm the same way. If someone is like hurting a friend, family member, like I get really protective, but sometimes I have a hard time doing that for myself. So it's really great to think about like, love yourself like you love other people, you know, and defend yourself, stick up for yourself too. Like it's good because, um, it's, it's, I think about that sometimes I'm like, would I let, you know, someone do that to my mom or my dog or whatever it is. And I'm like, no, like I'm not, then don't do that to me. You know, like I gotta love myself. Like I love other people. Um, it's great. Funny because like, no one wants to be yelled, like no doctor wants to be yelled at by like a like tiny Asian girl, like in the hallway. I'm like, come on, like, let's talk about this. They're like, oh my God. And my charger is just like, and relax. You come from like thinking that that's where you were going to go originally, like going back to what you were saying earlier about how you thought you wanted to be a doctor and the med school route and all of that. So I think you kind of, um, it's funny because I talked to people who, who a lot of people thought that they were going to go in and maybe become a doctor or something like that. And then they realized nursing was for them and vice versa. Sometimes people went in thinking they're going to do nursing and decided, oh, I actually want to do the doctor thing. Um, it, it's just very interesting roles, how one really speaks to you over the other. Um, and you know what I also I love about nursing that we didn't really cover too much was just the fact that there's so many avenues and so many things you can do, different specialties, ways to keep, like, keep advancing your education if you want to. Like, it's just, it's endless. It's absolutely endless with all of the knowledge that you accumulate. And then that knowledge you can keep and use just for the other position that you're doing. Um, do you have any, I know oncology is for you, that's where you're, you're at, but do you kind of see yourself um, extending education or anything down the line? Or are you pretty much like, this is, this is where I'm set? Well, no, I definitely, I have been putting off going back. To, I love school. Like I've been putting off going to grad school just because it take, I changed my mind quite a bit. Um, and it took me a really, it took me about four years to figure out what I really want to do and like, what I really enjoy doing. Um, but, you know, I definitely, I'm going to, I plan to get my doctorate um, and then doing like a dual fellowship in both oncology and palliative care. Because um, palliative care is a very big specialty, um, but I want to stick solely with cancer patients. Yeah. So can you explain what that specialty is for anybody who doesn't know? Okay. Yes. Um, so palliative care is a, it's kind of a broader term. It pretty much focuses on symptom management quality over quantity. Um but, you know, a lot of people interchange palliative care and hospice, which is not accurate. Um, you know, palliative care is an umbrella term and includes hospice, but hospice is very specific. Um, you know, in order to qualify for hospice, a patient has to be, um, you know, have a, a terminal illness of six months of um, life expectancy or less. But palliative care, anyone with a complex disease can, can qualify for palliative services. So it's a huge, you know, range of diseases. Cancer is obviously one of them. Um, but you know, it's, it's one of those services we do, you know, we do a lot of symptom management, you know, we, um, besides just doing medication and we can connect patients with like integrative medicine, you know, um, to do alternative medicines, you know, alternative therapies, um, for patients who may be a little bit more, um, you know, tired of just medicating and medicating, you know, we have other options for them. 
you know, we deal um, with, you know, we help patients with spiritual issues, you know, emotional, psychological, you know, it's a very umbrella term, you know, pretty much our job is to make sure that, you know, we're maximizing their quality of life. You know, the, the medical team focuses on the quantity, but we focus a lot on quality and making sure that they have everything they need, all the resources they need, all the resources the caregiver needs to, you know, make, make sure the patient is comfortable. Yeah. It sounds like you're focusing on like the whole entire person, not just the, not just the disease or the thing you're trying to fix, but also like the mental struggle with it and the maybe like nutritional symptoms of it. And like all the whole, just the whole package of all of the things that can go wrong and um, that we need help with when we're going through something so stressful in our bodies. I love that. I didn't even know that was a thing, but it's, that's really great to know. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's definitely an underutilized specialty. I think, um, you know, part of my goal with, you know, my social media account is to, um, you know, make people more aware of what palliative care is and to kind of dispel the rumors that palliative care, um, you know, is only hospice. Um, you know, there's a lot of education that needs to be done because um, I think, you know, we can't even say palliative care anymore without patients, you know, becoming anxious. You know, they think that, okay, like palliative care means I'm dying. Like, no, 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 like. Hospice, yes, but like palliative care, you know, we're here to help you um, cope. You know, we're not here to, you know, be like everything's done. Like, no, no, no. And I think, you know, in hospitals, they consult palliative care inappropriately all the time. You know, they only consult end of life, which, um, you know, there needs to be work there too. But um, yeah, I think as nurses, you know, it's, it's really important for us to kind of, you know, explain, you know, the difference to patients because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we want to see the patient succeed as well. Um, you know, we have to deal with the brunt of the symptoms, you know, and, you know, a lot of the emotional aspects and, you know, palliative care can be very beneficial for them. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Emily. Thank you so much for joining our MDF Instruments Crafting Wellness Podcast. It's been such My a pleasure. <laughs> and we're going to have to, I think we're going to have to do another one with your best friend who's also named Emily. I mean, Perfect. two awesome Emily nurses, both in oncology, one adult, one pediatric. I think we need to do a yin and yang duo. Oh, totally. And <laughs> we'll have some more fun, but it was such a pleasure having you on. And I'm, I'm really excited to just see all the great things you're going to do and follow your journey even more on social. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really, you know, I enjoyed talking with you. And yeah, it's, uh, um, it's been a pleasure. <laughs>